nuns died tonight, bud. <laughs> yeah, bud. Yeah, bud. Yeah, bud. Bud, 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 bud. <laughs> Joe Blow Horror Show, where we review, rate, discuss, and break down horror movies and horror films. I am your host with the most, Boss Tuna. With me, as always, is everybody's favorite Raging Cajun Swamp Donkey, Mystic Meddling Cthulhu, Rapping, Lizard Taming, Hogzilla, Beard, Oil, Enchanted, Free man, Tibu. Yes, I am a free man. Free man of these here United States of America. Um, wow, what an introduction. I have no idea what to say. Uh, that is true. All of that, you forgot the most important aspect of my autonomy and my anatomy. And that is that I am also Hogzilla. I said Hogzilla, you deaf bitch. I was so blown away by everything else you said. I'm sorry. I, I just, just I got do lost. What I in... fucking pay you to do? Okay. <laughs> I got lost in the praise. Unbelievable. It's great to be here on the Joe Blow Horror Show, where we are praised and accosted. Yes. yes. <laughs> tell tell me how great it is to be here. Oh, dude, I wouldn't trade this for the world. Are you kidding me? Yes. We're still in the in the dead yes. of winter right now. Oh yeah. I'd rather freeze my ass off here with you than anywhere else, bud. Yeah, we are sitting here in the garage, bundled up. It's actually not that bad. I got the heaters ripping, nice and chilly outside. Although we've got like a warm spell. Before Christmas, the week leading up to Christmas, it was highs were in the negatives. And we went up north to Minnesota, did the whole family Christmas thing. And um, came back down and it it rained for two days. It fucking rained in Iowa for two days. Everywhere <laughs> is unseasonably warm. It's getting cold now. I mean, I think we are in like the 20s today, which really isn't that cold, but big difference. Crazy temperature swings. Welcome to the Midwest. Fuck yeah, dude. Down here we had temperatures recently. We had two cold snaps. And when it gets cold down here, even though the temperature might only be 17, number one, we're not always used to the cold that much, but also... With the humidity that's still in the air, 17 degrees is a son of a bitch. All that being said, I want to say to you and to the listeners, Happy New Year. We're in a new year, motherfucker. It's 2023. Happy New Moving Year. Moving on. Moving on. Yes. <laughs> yes, and that does bring up a fine, fine point in that it's 2023. That only means one thing. End of the year episodes are coming out. Stay mm-hmm. tuned. 
Joe Blow always likes to bring it up the rear, if you know what I'm saying, and I think you do. <laughs> and we are going to be coming out with our episode here probably mid-February. So stick around for that. That's always a fun one. That's always one of the most popular episodes that we do. But without further ado, oh. go ahead. Well, just, just to chime in real quick. Because we do a swap cast where we have the episode released on Joe Blow and simultaneously on the nightclub. That is by far our most popular episode on on the nightclub. It's the most downloaded every year. Is the end of the le- uh, end of the year list. So I'm, dude, I'm so excited. I cannot wait to talk about this shit. Mm-hmm. Every year we watch all these movies and we count them down, and this is when we get to finally unleash and 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 you know like just get it out there for the whole world to just face neck and chest gobble up we, gobble it we get a release it. we've been holding it in for 365 days and we're going to explode oh. our movies and picks all over you guys in and around your ear holes so yeah stay <laughs> tuned again welcome 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 this is going to be a really meaty episode 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 I'm mike tyson this is going to be you, real thick and girthy. You just turned it. Real thick and girthy. He turned into that boy real quick. I'm going to bite your <laughs> ear off. I don't give a fuck. I'll fuck your face. I'll fuck your face. Sing like a bee and swarm, like, swarm you like a nest of bees. Anyways, yeah, this is going to be a real thick and girthy one because we have Godzilla versus Biolante and yeah. the Black Coat's Daughter. So we have a couple of movies coming at you. This episode is going to be full of review. So we're going to break some shit down give you some ratings, and sit back, enjoy, let the Cajun Herbal Enchanter and Boss Tuna, who do you, I don't even know what you guys call me behind my back, the the hockey. You're the you're the uh, hockey, uh, hockey fucking puck sucking, mint, winter mitten wearing, backwards ass, big, Bigfoot Sasquatch from Iowa. I don't know. We call you all kinds of shit. Yeah, let let, <laughs> let let that in the herbal enchanter massage your ear holes with our appendages with reviews of Godzilla versus Biolante and the Black Coat's Daughter. Real quickly though, however, every episode we say this, I hate doing it, but it does help. It helps get the word out. If you haven't, hop on and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. That helps other people and friends enjoy and get to see, or not really see yet, but here are the episodes and hop on our discord. We got good conversations going on on the discord. We have Twitter, Instagram slasher, reach out to us. We always love reading fan mail. I love this messages and whatnot as well. I occasionally will read them on the show, but yeah, come and say hi, drop a line. Uh, the discord, I would say number one though, you got to get on the discord. If you guys want to have a conversation with us, we have a lot of cool channels. We have movie recommendations we have a spoiler channel i recently created a channel <laughs> called the shark side of the moon where yes. lately it's just been a bunch of gifts of shark stuff but well, what we need to do we need to fill that up because we need to start doing some some fucking shark reviews i want to do sharkula i want to do yeah, sharkula so bad gotta, i think we got to do that we oh might my have god to have like a like an ongoing Every one, every couple months, maybe we'll just throw out like a mini 
like a 20 or 30 minute episode where we review some bullshit fucking shark movie for you guys. I want to do it. I want to do Hop it. Hop on the Discord and tell us what you want to hear. And we will do it. I swear to God. Mm-hmm. I swear on Tibu's life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hop on the Discord and tell us to review a movie. We'll do it. I will guillotine myself. Shark movie. A shark movie. And we'll consider oh. it too. Okay. I thought I meant I was sacrificing myself. Yes. I will watch any shark movie anyone wants. Yes. I don't care. Anyways. We have a couple reviews to unpack here tonight, and before we get too deep into this, we are really going to have to um, we're, we're going to have to stop into the titty twister, man. I, yeah, I, we're going to have to get a drink. So I I second that I second that motion, and it's passed by the house, which is us. Let's go. And it just so happens that she poured me out a no-coast nitro turtle mocha stout. Again, friends on the on the um, Discord got to see ahead of time what we were drinking tonight. And there you go. Incentive. Hop on that Discord. I'll share some nuggets with you. But yes, this is a Nitro Turtle Mocha Stout from No Coast. I have, I've had a couple No uh, uh, No Coast before as well, too, and I'm, I'm pretty pumped. It's a Nitro Milk Stout, rich chocolate malt espresso coffee, decadent caramel, subtle sweetness. <laughs> Deliciousness. What do you got there, bud? Well, tonight I had... I already had a Holy Roller Hazy IPA. Yes, extend that pinky. Be fancy. Be fancy on Joe Blow. It's all right. And um, for when we're when we're we're discussing films, I get the fancy beers and the pinky going. That's right. That's right. Pinky for fancy. It doesn't. It doesn't rhyme. It doesn't need to do anything. It's just you're fancy. Good for two things. It's for lifting. Yeah. Being fancy, and the other Uh thing, it might smell like some fishes. (laughs) <laughs> if it's if it smells like a fish it's a dish we all know the rule of thumb so tonight i i had a, a holy roller a hazy ipa i've got oh, the trusty andy <laughs> you can see his stripes but you know he's clean oh, i've got the the andy gator from louisiana a beat oh, i've never had that and, before i heard it's good yeah i know one day when money improves um coming soon but i was gifted something recently and i'm going to imbibe tonight on the joe blow horror show with a little bit of uh herbal enchantment if you know what i mean like boss tuna said earlier and i think you do (laughs) here you go folks (sighs) yeah that is called um mystical enchantment right there that's what that's called. It's happening. We're doing it. We're doing it big. Titty Twister, as always, has been kind to us. But like you said, dude, this episode's gonna be so meaty, so girthy. Mm. We gotta we gotta sink our teeth into this shit before the night gets, you know, too long in the tooth, if you know what I mean. And I think you do for the third time. That's thrice. Mm. Thrice awesome Black Honey, check it out, banger. Anyway, yeah! so it has been brought to my attention that you guys know I'm smoking some cigars. I don't, I don't enchant in the herbals, but mm. I do uh, have me some tobacco. And 
I the have, wacky tobacco? I've been told, no, not the wacky tobacco, but I've been oh. told we, we talk a lot about the beer. We got to talk a little bit about what Boss Tuna is smoking. So I have with me a black market Estelle, uh cigar, and it's an Alec, I don't even know, Alec Bradley, I believe it is, cigar. So we're going to dip into this, and this is what I will be. Oh, yeah. God. When it smells like fucking gym socks. Hold on. Put it up to the mic so I can smell it. Oh, here you go. You smell that? Yeah. yeah. When it smells like gym socks, you know you're in for a fucking treat. So, mm. yeah. Alec Bradley, Black Market Esteli. It's going to be a fucking, it's going to be a treat and a half. Anyways, what the fuck? People are like, hey, are you guys reviewing movies or are you just bullshitting about fucking cigars and whatever these fucking Cajuns do? We do what we want. Whatever, whatever. But I, what I want. But I agree. Yes. Let's give the folks what they've been waiting for because we've been we've been teasing the. Well, let's not give what they've been waiting while. for. They're gonna have to pay for <laughs> Patreon on that if you want to see why we call him Hogzilla. But <laughs> yes, let's give them the review that they want. Yes, we'll be right back. あれはただの植物ではない。ビオランテだ。ゴジラ。ゴジラ。ゴジラ。ゴジラ。ゴジラ。ゴジラ。ゴジラ。ゴジラ。ゴジラ。ゴジラ。ゴジラ。ゴジラ。ゴジラ。ゴジラ。
but with with the scale of this movie, I'm gonna guess around fifteen million to twenty million bucks. I never saw anything definitive. I saw one on IMDb that said estimated five million. Wow. I also saw another one that was ten point seven, and I believe the ten point seven more than the five. Okay. Okay. Cool then. Yeah. This is directed by Kazuki. Okay, first off, obviously I'm going to butcher a lot of these names. So, you know, cut me some slack here, fellers, ladies and fellers. Directed by Kazuki Omari. And he's also done Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. This -hmm. was written by Shinchiro Kobayashi. He also wrote Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. And this starred a bunch of people that I'm not going to attempt to name because a lot of them have never done movies that I'd ever heard of. Maybe if you're into the Japanese film from from that area, you'd recognize some. But I didn't I didn't want to trek down that road. But I do have a couple of cool, I guess, little little nuggets of, of trivia here. But before I get into the trivia, I wanted to ask you, Mr. Mr. Tibu, this is your movie. Why did you pick this? Um, I don't know if this is something I've ever really talked about on Joe Blow. I think, I think we've talked about it briefly on the nightclub, but I'm a huge Godzilla fan. I really did not know that until recently. I will say that. And I've known you for what, five years or something now? Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been a minute and oh yeah, I grew up with Goji. Um, as a kid, I had numerous VHS tapes. I would record it when it played on TNT Thankfully, every once in a while, they would do Godzilla marathons. I'd record those. <clears throat> Godzilla versus Biollante, which, <laughs> based on our Zoom calls, I edited this photo years, like at least a year ago or so. I our, did not our, know what that was. That's Godzilla versus Biollante. That's, that's yeah, the, I, I can see Biollante in the background. It looks like a big pulsating vulva. That is the beauty of this movie, unbeknownst to the childhood me, because I watched this movie as a kid a lot, a lot, and it it scared me as a child, and it sucked me in. I I admit I didn't understand the intricacies of the human plot elements going on when I was a kid, but it still held enough intrigue and enough action that it caught my attention. But when it comes to Godzilla, dude, I don't know what to say. Like, this just goes back for me. And picking this movie... I wanted to bring to the to the listeners to, to to me what is something of substance from the Godzilla franchise that's not one of the more well-known films. Godzilla versus Biollante is not one of the more well-known films in the franchise. And if you're if you're wondering where this falls in a franchise with over 30 feature films, the way Toho did this is they they would divide the Godzilla films up into different eras. The first was the Showa, the second was the Heisei, the third was the Millennium. And I'm I'm not going to go too deep into all that, but this is basically, this is part of the Heisei era of Godzilla films, and this is the third. What's what's Heisei era? Can you explain that to those of us that are not? It's just the era after the Showa era. I don't know what Heisei means, to be honest with you. I'm not a super Godzilla expert that deep. I just know, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of stuff. But when it comes to, the Heisei era and this film, this is the third film in a certain Godzilla timeline. You've heard me rant about the Halloween timelines, I'm sure. 
And I don't we don't have time tonight for me to rant about the Godzilla timeline because it's way more insane. It's way more insane. But for the sake of tonight, the film that we're covering, Godzilla versus Biollante, is the third film in one particular timeline. This timeline only consists of the original 1954 Godzilla film, the black and white classic, uh, the 1984 release Godzilla, uh, Godzilla Returns, or known in America as Godzilla 1985, and then this film follows directly after Godzilla 1985. So Godzilla vs. Biollante is the third film in this particular timeline, which does continue past this point, by the way. It, so it, I, this is the third film in this timeline, you said? Yes. Okay. So the only films you would have need to have seen before this one to get all the relevance was the original and then the reboot sequel, whatever you want to call it, from 1985 or Godzilla Returns, which whichever title you want to adhere to. But um, yeah, this is the third film in that timeline. Would so, you tell our listeners that they need to see the previous two before they watch this one? No. Okay. I think this movie I think this movie has enough like as far as knowing who Godzilla is, it's it's almost it's almost like knowing who Elvis or Michael Jackson is. You know, it's like people know Godzilla. They know what he is. They know he's a big reptile from the ocean or something. That's at least what they know. When you dive into this mythology, this lore and depending on the timeline, again, because it changes, um, it just becomes more and more and more. So you, you don't have to see the first two films in this timeline to really enjoy this movie, I don't think. But it helps. Definitely helps. Especially when they introduce the X2. Um, knowing what the X, the, the original Super X uh, fucking, I don't know, fighter plane or fighter ship aircraft, you know. That that was from Godzilla nineteen eighty five, and the OG he just wrecked shop. I, I won't what I won't get was the OG fifty four. I'm I'm not gonna get oh, into all so, my okay. love. I I I I was gonna say so this is, I see what you're saying. So this this is kind of like the Halloween type where it goes yeah. fifty four and then eighty five and eighty nine. Yeah, because the whole Showa oh. era took place between fifty four and eighty four. They had about like twelve or thirteen movies in that whole period that featured Godzilla, and they 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 sort of uh, skewed more kid friendly as the franchise went on. But then they wanted to reboot it and make and bring it back to its scary roots and what it was meant to be. And that's when Godzilla Returns came out, and then this movie, Godzilla vs. Biollante, follows that timeline. So it's just there's forget all the the, the silly kid shit. Which is a hell of a lot of fun, by the way. I'm a Godzilla fan in all aspects. I love the campy stuff, and I love the fucking dark, serious shit. And right now, we're in dark, serious, but also kind of schlocky mode. <laughs> so that's where we are with this this Godzilla movie. And I was going to say, I'm not going to get into all my Godzilla love, because that would be a whole episode by itself. I just That's why I brought this movie to the Joe Blow Horror Show, because I've never gotten to talk about a Godzilla film on a podcast before. So for me... This is podcast history, and I'm so fucking pumped and ready for this. All right. Little trivia I found on this that's pretty cool. This this actually is is considered a fan favorite. It, it it's kind of like one of those stories, you know, the the underdog or whatever type stories where it later became a cult classic because this really did not do that well. 
when it very first came out, but this is widely regarded as one of the best in the franchise uh, next to the 1997 uh, one with um, oh, what, what 1998 is? and it's Matthew Broderick and it's Roland Emmerich. And no, it's not. <laughs> no, listen, I, I, I want to say real quick though, like all the trivia you have, I probably already know like that yeah. one right there. This movie was a movie I loved as a child, but years later it's becoming the, like one of the known as one of the best films in the franchise. And, and, Watch it and find out why, motherfuckers. All right, bitch. Did you know yeah. that it also took 20 crew to manipulate Biolante in its final form? Yes, yes, I did. Ooh, okay, okay. One of the things I thought that was really neat about this was when this movie was being shopped and they were talking about a sequel to the 85 one. They did this big contest and they were accepting scripts from everybody. They got it from a dentist. Yep. 5,024 scripts were submitted. And they accepted the first 10. It went in. And yes, the script that was accepted, the guy was a dentist and was a script writer in his free time. And that was Shinchiro Kobayashi. This is one of the ones... This yeah. is one of the this is one of those movies, dude, where I I don't I don't do research, but this is one of the ones where I don't have to, man. Yep. I know I've done so much. I'm telling you, I, I'm not a, I'm not I don't know what Heisei means. I really don't. I don't know what the fuck that means. I don't know why I don't know what that means because I've done so much. But I love this yeah. shit. I love it. Keep telling us. Keep yep. keep feeding me. Feed me. This daddy. is also the first one to use at CGI. So, is it? Yeah. Really? It's more so on the computer animations. But Oh, well, okay. But I mean it's still that's that's still I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of a cheat, but well, whatever. I was blown away for a second. I was like, when during the puppetry did they use I was like, What? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, when they're radar targeting Godzilla all the fucking time. Yep. yep. So that's all I got. Let's uh, let's get into this Godzilla versus. I can give you one more if you want. Go for it. Yeah, I love I love this little bit of trivia. <clears throat> they they didn't know how to get uh, Biolante to charge Godzilla, but they had the scene written. Director wanted it, so they ended up setting up this entire fucking set to where they could roll Biolante on a fucking like a little skid or something, like just roll her forward. They loved the shot so much they used it twice. Very close together in the film, by the way. It's like it's like maybe twenty seconds apart. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's they they just they loved it so much. They were like, we have we have to use it again. Fuck it, it's so cool. And and fuck yeah, it's cool. So nice. Yeah, I'll, I could keep going. I won't keep going. I know we got well, we got I mean, another movie to cover. More, yeah. Do you have an, no, any? No, no. Okay. No, we'll 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 just get into it. I love how this film opens with military protocol about how to handle Godzilla. So I wanted I wanted to ask you a few questions before before actually getting into this movie. So so okay. let's 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 begin the review with this. How many Godzilla films have you seen prior to Godzilla versus Biollante? None of the old ones. I saw the Broderick ninety seven one. Don't count that. I don't count I, that. I saw the Godzilla versus. I mean, how many other ones are there? I've only seen the There's, newer. Big, there's big, over oh, there's there's oh, over I meant 30. the new ones. Oh, I've only seen uh, the new ones. So ninety seven, I saw Godzilla versus King Kong. Isn't there two of those? Or yeah, 
Yeah, there's Godzilla versus King Kong, and then something uh, Clash of the Monsters or whatever. Ooh. Oh, oh my god, you're making me nauseous. There's there's a lot of Japanese Godzilla movies after never seen any Japanese ones. Okay, never, never, not one. Okay, that that answers a lot of questions right there. Okay. So going into this movie, we have this military protocol set up for when Godzilla possibly could return, might return. And it's like DEFCON shit. It's like four through one. The well, most so dangerous. We, we might need to paint a picture that this this is picking up right after the 85 film. Yeah, that's where I'm going. Oh, so, OK. OK. Yeah. So after like the most dangerous being if uh, Godzilla makes landfall, that's like that's like DEFCON one. That's their big priority. So we see these um, blood cells racing away from microscopic it, – it's basically looking like a, fi- a flower petal. But we emerge from the flesh and see Godzilla, and we get our title card versus Biollante, right? So all of this um, is is followed by a flashback from Godzilla 1985 or Godzilla Returns, the previous film where the uh, – Atomic lizard cells are just being collected by, I guess it's military personnel, people, people, you know, going through the the, the scene of the destruction. Because in the previous film, Godzilla rose from the ocean and laid waste to Japan. He was only brought down by the Super X, I think. It's some military uh, weapon that they had created. And it was able to weaken Godzilla. He fell into a volcano. Yeah, they they use like uh, like sonar impulses or something to bring him into a crevasse. Mm-hmm. A volcanic yeah. crevasse. And he falls down into that bitch. So Godzilla's been trapped in a volcano. And um, the, so Godzilla cells are being being um, procured. And this is all for Research. what you would. What you would guess is well, you call it research, but we all know what it is. It's fucking Weapon. military shit. Yeah. There, this this scientist and his daughter, the scientist has been working with the, the military on um or the government rather on these Godzilla cells. Like that's this is his line of expertise, but it's really his daughter that's the one that's that's figuring out this genetic shit. They go to um a biotechnics lab. That gets bombed while they're there. So the scientist, his name is uh, Shimamari, I think. She, she, it's a, it's there's a G in there, Shiga, Shigamaru or something. I swear, uh, it doesn't matter. They're all, they all sound the same. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow, I'm a little yes. on my element here. <laughs> no, well, I, we, I should have wrote. We got to, we got to talk about the the how how they stole it. That was a pretty badass scene in the beginning because mm-hmm. you had the scientists there and then you had some like elite commando unit that you find out it's like sardinian oil which 100 percent makes sense because you know we're, we're 40 years later or whatever it is 30 35 years later and you're like yeah big oil still fucking runs the show but was, yeah the first thing i wrote down was the sunglass wearing like Japanese Terminator type mercenary. He's the maybe assassin. my favorite character in the yeah. movie. Oh yeah? Yeah, he he's part of the um Sardaria, which is like Saudi Arabia. Like that's that's meant to be the tie in for the uh screenwriters there, what that country is and all that. 
but he, yeah, this assassin basically gets the the jump on the military that's there stealing the fucking. You got like the U.S. military trying to steal the Godzilla cells from the Japanese military, but then you have this, like like Bostuna said, Sardarian assassin that shows up. He steals the fucking Godzilla cells. This whole beginning, the whole beginning of this movie is like a military siege followed by a spy. Uh, uh, heist. You know, like so. Did you expect this from a Godzilla movie right right away? I'm just asking. I I expected nothing from a Godzilla movie. I, I'm comparing this to Matthew Broderick and King wow. Kong beating the shit up. So that that's that's my experience with Godzilla. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm glad I picked this movie. Well, I hope I'm glad I picked this movie because I picked it for a reason. Not just because I love it, but there's a lot of things in it that I thought Boston himself might appreciate, at least when it came to a Godzilla movie, if he wasn't so familiar. So, uh, yeah, the facility is bombed. The biotechnics lab is bombed, and the the scientist finds his daughter dead, Erica. I remember her name. I don't remember the doctor's name, unfortunately. Super but, Japanese um, name. Yeah, well... <laughs> Like so many folks in this film. I want to say, too, this movie does jump back and forth between multiple languages. So it's not all Japanese. Um, I'd say it's like 60% Japanese, to be honest. There's so many other languages in this movie. It's not that, and that's not common for, for a Godzilla film. So, yeah, when they, when they switch from Japanese to Dutch and then to Zimbabwean, I, I was a little confused. <laughs> Afrikaans. Um, after this, we meet Miki who is a psychic girl at the Japanese psionics Institute or exploration center, whatever it's called. She's basically, so now we're, we're, we're also getting psychic activity introduced into this storyline. And this is five years, by the way, after Erica's death. So we're meeting this new character and she's trying to talk to the roses that the doctor has grown from the cells of his daughter. Okay. So her cells live on through this rose plant that he has. And he has this psychic girl trying to communicate with the flower so he could speak to his daughter. It's a, it's a pretty dark shit. I would say. Like at this point. Well, so isn't isn't he trying to get the cells of Godzilla to have his daughter? I mean, he's trying basically he wants his daughter's soul to live on. Mm. And isn't he tasked? That happens later. Okay, isn't he tasked with like creating some kind of like Godzilla farm field or some shit? So oh, his name create... his name is Shiragami, by the way. Shiragami, Shir- that's what it is. Shiragami. I knew there was a G in there. Yes, that's I just thought of it. That happens later. That happens later in the movie, um, where he gets hold of the the Godzilla cells and he figures out what he wants to do with it. Basically, and it's not to compl- overcomplicate things. It's just to really get us through this. Um, the the volcano where Godzilla is trapped starts to have activity occur, and so the government's watching it closely. It turns out years later, there's this Godzilla, um, you know, what would you call that? Like a tactical team set in place in case he's comes back. I just but it's remember been so- like the 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 fucking Star Trek Enterprise X two fucking badass little machinery thing but yeah they're well, like a well, there's a lot of things Godzilla. going on there yeah because that's the military's response is to build the super x2 
an, an advanced replacement for the for the weapon that they had in 1985 but you yeah. also have their 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 Godzilla response force which is now doing well, the Gondo they're trying to come up with a weapon in case he ever does wake up and they're trying to get Shiragami to come and help them foresee that yeah that yeah we that's where we end up is where the 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 government basically gets these Godzilla cells from this company um and there there are these other characters by the way that we're we're kind of skipping over this uh Kirishima he he's another character in this film that is is dating the daughter of the 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 plot the, there's a thick plot to this movie yeah. okay when it, when it, when you sit down and watch it there's a thick plot to this movie and to not get too buried into that part of it because we we spend all night really describing the intricacies of the plot which i think is for for a movie like this and seeing it as an adult which i probably saw this for the last time about 10 years ago ish Be- before for this recording yes before for this review um so back then though i picked up on like wow this is more than i thought it was as a kid this plot is and godzilla movies do have plots like this by the way it's not like this is the first one to have a very intricate plot when it comes to the human element of it but this is one of the better written ones and better acted out you have like espionage action you have military action you have these different companies and organizations and governments all fighting over these Godzilla cells and trying to assassinate one another and there's there's like fucking bribery and and ransom and shit going on so so it's it's i don't know I would love to see the Russo brothers remake Godzilla versus Biollante. <laughs> I feel like they would do a great job. Eventually, though, ooh, excuse me, that's that Andigator coming up. Shirogami does agree to join the Japanese government and their efforts to create a new anti-nuclear bacteria. Their whole theory is that Godzilla runs off of nuclear energy. So if we create this bacteria, it will, you know, deplete him from the inside out if we can somehow inject him with it or get it on him, whatever, whatever they want to do. And we see what they want to do later. Um, But, dude, I wanted to ask you about the scene where we do visit the psionics center and all of the kids, all the little children there, these psychic kids have been having the same dream night after night. And the build up to this moment where all the kids are drawing like fervently and then the teacher comes in and she's like, okay, so are y'all done? Show me what y'all dreamed of last night. And all the kids hold up their Godzilla fucking drawings and the Godzilla theme hits. That moment from a, from when I was a kid to this fucking day, that moment gives me chills yeah. and it's a 10 out of 10. I yeah, love that pretty moment. Cool. Pretty cool for sure. Mm. How about How about introducing... Again, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to fill you out right now because I, I know I'm rambling. I thought this would happen. I'm sorry, but you got again espionage, military, uh, the government's fighting, the fucking like back and forth in the story, the characters too. I mean, everyone in this movie to me is a character, and I remember them from the head honcho of the fucking foundation that's got the Godzilla cells down to fucking Gondo. The, the 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 guy that's fucking lackluster with his job and but then once he has a purpose he's fucking back in it you know um to the psychic girl miki everyone in this movie I, I really enjoy and and all the aspects of the plot leading up to when 
Godzilla finally comes back and this movie switches gears like but not really it keeps going I'll with all the other what, stuff th- this was a lot more difficult to follow than I expected because I just expected some cheap fucking dude in a rubber suit and <laughs> you know some some Swiss cheese plot and I was like holy fuck this is there's some depth to this and for 1989 you could tell it was done well it was acted well the puppetry and all that type of stuff. I was, I was pretty impressed with that. It, it, it just had a lot going on. Like this really does. And, and, and that's why I asked you earlier on, if you, if you would tell, I, I would say it's not necessary to see the previous two, but it would be, it would be, it'd be very beneficial to get some backstory there. There, yes, but for what's going on, the plot in this movie has nothing to do with the other two movies. There, these You're right. characters, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, yeah. but it ties some stuff together with like the lore of of Godzilla. But yeah, this is so rich with story that in itself, it 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 works. But yeah, I I think that just like if you were, I mean, low hanging fruit, we'll just use the Halloween franchise. Do you need to see the previous ones? No. I mean, they're going to be good movies anyways, but you get a little backstory and plot as far as what's going on. So, but yeah, they're, I, some of my, the characters kind of blend in. I, I will say, I'm going to, I'm going to fight you a little bit on that. The ones I mainly remember are the sunglass wearing at night, like Terminator <laughs> type, long haired assassin. He was, he was great. The main Colonel or whatever of the military was great. And then you've got the the Shig- Shigamaru uh, scientist was 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 you know yeah dude the doctor yeah I, I agree with with those it's probably because I've seen this movie multiple times that I remember the characters more and more and they yeah. kind of just age with me you know to a degree I'm not saying these are the most memorable characters of all time but for a Godzilla movie they're they're pretty cool and when you've seen enough of these man it's like. Well, if you appreciate a certain kind of film, you'll get some of the other Godzilla movies. But then when it comes to this type of movie, where it does have some zany moments, and I do want to, I do want to like shout out the rockin' Godzilla theme, how they rework it into the 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 more rockin' songs in the movie, but it's the same Godzilla theme. That shit's fucking dope. Like I don't care. See, that that I'm having a hard time recalling that part. But it happens during more of the action sequences. Yeah, you being a fan of it, that that's something you'll pick up on. But but me coming in, you know, there there was so much going on with this. I'm just kind of, yeah, yeah. Well, where the plot does eventually lead to the the U.S. agents uh, threatening to blow up Mount Mihara. I think that's the name of it. Before. Um, getting the Godzilla cells that they want, they're going to be like, if you don't give it to us, we're going to blow this shit up and release Godzilla. The deal goes wrong. Gondo and uh, Kirishima go there and they, they try to trade with, with the U S guys, but that, that sort Sardian fucking assassin shows up and again. Yeah. (laughs) He keeps showing up throughout this movie. He's like, he is Michael Myers in this shit. And he, he sabotages the trade the explosives go off. Godzilla is released, and now we're we got our kaiju, man. We got our big. You called it a big rubber suit. You goddamn fucking right. And you know what? They also use animatronics. They go hardcore in this movie, and Godzilla looks menacing. I mean, he comes out of there 
just roaring and stomping. And he goes, we go right to fucking like, we gotta, we gotta fight Godzilla mode because humans always try their damnedest. So, all right, boss tuna, you're getting old school Godzilla now that you got Godzilla in the ocean. These are all miniatures. This is all effects work. This is all live in front of your face. It's on camera work happening. And I gotta say, holds up, man. I look at this shit and I'm blown away. This is one of those movies where it's very, very easy to pick it apart. So the first thing I realized is how messed up the scale is because in one frame, Godzilla will look like he's 40, 50 feet tall. In another one, he'll look like he's as tall as a skyscraper. So, you know, at first I started noticing that and then I'm like, well, Godzilla looks like he once weighed you know, he looked like he was a guy that once weighed 500 pounds and is now 200 pounds. And he just got like flabby skin, skin sacks left to him. But again, this is, I gotta, I gotta admit, I'm totally lost on what you're saying. The, the, the scale was messed up when, when I was like, if the, the scene where he was attacking the oil rig, for example, right before that, he looked like he was 40 or 50 feet tall. Then he's up next to this oil rig and he looks like he's 300 feet tall. Well, because he was far away. No, there, there is the, the the scale did not seem right. But I'm not nitpicking it for. I'm just saying this is a movie that's easy to nitpick. What? But well, I want to. Uh, well, just to point out that one scene that you're talking about, the psychic girl is on the oil rig platform, and Godzilla's far away in the ocean when she starts using her psychic power to lure him. We're, we're jumping way ahead. We we, we are, but I'm just yeah. Then he walks up to the oil rig, and he's very big. Yeah, because he was far away, really small. Yeah, but I'm saying when he's there's other scenes where he's standing next to other structures or whatever. That's that's all I'm saying is the scale was 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 not accurate. Disagree. Well, you can disagree. For the listeners, time. just saying, I don't I don't see these things. But go ahead. I, I mean, well, it, me coming into this movie first time, I was I noticed that, but again, it's it's one of those. Where... I, would, I would like to notice it too because I'm not. No, I'm. I, you, I'm I, glad you. Don't. I use scaling for my job also, so I would love to notice these scenes as well where he's off scale. It, it'd be like it'd be like me standing thirty feet behind you and then me standing next to you. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Because you'd be up to my kneecaps. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But no, the, okay. that, that's one thing I noticed. The scale is kind of messed up. And then the rubber suit. I, l- listen, I, I'm I'm not dogging it. And I'm not saying these are cons. I'm just saying these are observations I made. And I thought it was kind of funny. But I would much prefer this over some shitty fucking CGI. Especially CGI that we had for the last, I, mean, I mean, up until recently. I'm asking because I've seen the schlockier movies. And I know that that can be an issue. And... <clears throat> I'm being honest. I didn't see them, so I'm giving you shit, but I'm doing it to be funny. But I really didn't see the scaling issue. Yeah. But maybe I'm not looking for it to be honest. I will say the suit in this movie, though, I thought it was spectacular. I didn't see any issues with the suit. There's been other films in the series where the suit has been a problem. Yeah, I've never seen any of those. This movie was to me. This movie is. I I'll, I'll die on this hill. The suit was consistently great. I thought it was. I thought every scene involving Godzilla, he looked amazing without any real flaw. 
can you tell in some scenes i mean yeah like we're we're not blind to what this this effect is at this point when oh, you're I a know. kid when I you're a kid looking, it's magical <laughs> listen i i knew that it was a suit so i'm looking to see how good the suit was it was very good especially for 1989 like i said i'm not trying to dog it i'm just telling you my observations what i saw you could tell there is some some flabby you know underarm skin but in all in all reality it was well done yeah, just keep I going keep going no i just don't know what that means i just don't even know what that means flabby underarm skin i'm trying to think of like a scene where his like his arm was out and jiggling i really don't know so i, I and i'm just saying that for the listeners who 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 don't there is a disparity okay I'm, I'm, not, big, I'm not telling you. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. No, no, I'm, I'm not, a big I'm Godzilla fan, and and Boss Tuna is not. So people are gonna think I'm biased, but I'm not. I, I just watched this movie literally today, and I'm really trying to think of these scenes. Fuck all that. Okay. Uh, apparently, we have we do have some some uh, cross streams, so to speak, though, when it comes to this movie. But Biolante eventually gets fused in with Godzilla cells because Dr. Shigamara is like, I'm going to help the government. I'm going to actually do this thing. Because when, when Godzilla reawakened, there was an earthquake that smashed the uh, enclosure that had his daughters. Look at that. Oh, my God. That is that delicious nitro. Oh, my God. Derailed me. Um, Hashtag poor hard. <laughs> Yeah, get that head up, good. Um, Godzilla, Godzilla cells got fused with um, the the remnants of uh, Shigamara's daughters. Yes, her 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 rose plant, and out of this we get Biolante, this large Biolante. Dude, Biolante is still to this day to me because, and you even get the psychic girl like drawing Biolante before she shows up in the film. But when you finally see Biolante in all her glory, she is emerging from the uh was it's a lake and the lighting, the 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 you talk about the scaling when the camera pans up from the people on the on the shore to this miniature that well, it's not a miniature, it's a puppet, but it's made on a stage. But to me it was seamless, like it looks so good. And there's so many shots in this movie that look that good and evoke a horror imagery. But also with this movie, there's a slight like little, not romance, but like there's a a softness to the the the, the final, cre- like the bad, quote unquote, bad creature in this movie. Biolante is not a bad creature, but it's Godzilla's well, well, enemy. up at first though, because even I think Shigamaru makes the, the comment that he thinks the Godzilla cells are taking over and that it is kind of bad. True. But what I will say though is, and I, I let you, I let you go for a minute before this. The next thing I wrote down was this movie is a spectacle and excellent example in the use of miniatures and models. Over and over again, over and over again from the, from the hospital at the beginning so many scenes in this movie, dude, are perfect examples of what Lord of the Rings proved fucking 20 years later that miniatures and that kind of that kind of like film filmmaking really can create blockbuster imagery that is mind blowing. I was going to say the original Star Wars movies. Yes, 
a hundred percent agree. And this does it, in my opinion, just as well, if not better. I I like hearing that. I I don't I don't agree or disagree with that, but I like hearing that. Hell, fuck I mean, yeah. Listen, I haven't seen the original Star Wars in, in a Coons age, but I was I was like, man, this it, it was legit. I really I really. Oh, they they did an amazing job. Yeah. It's still it's like two thousand one. It's like the imagery from those movies are still timeless. Even if you could see it, even if you could see through the magic. Shout out to Mad God. That's another great current example and use of that too so yeah a hundred percent hundred percent that movie is um (laughs) so to get back to the film at hand um when (laughs) but when biolante emerges i just had my first sip of that fucking beer holy fuck you had a beer gasm because i do not want to derail the show but i was i was finishing up a previous one but god dang Dang. <laughs> After Biolante emerges. Five out of five. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> she she starts calling out to Godzilla. And Godzilla approaches. We get our first showdown in the film with Godzilla versus Biolante in her rose form, I'm gonna call it. And he he gets attacked. And he pretty easily, though, like, destroys Biollante. It's not really that hard for him. He is the king of all monsters, by the way. This shouldn't be like, oh, he gets owned right away. No. Godzilla fucking destroys Biollante, and she goes up into the atmosphere because... And uh, Shigamari had said this earlier in the film. These Godzilla cells and what he, what he's able to do with them, infusing them with this the, the, the cells from the rose petal, which is from the cells of his daughter again he was able to make an indestructible entity but he does say in the film at this point I guess she wasn't indestructible but Biolante goes up into the atmosphere into space whatever she's doing and changes shape changes form doesn't die as we'll find out so Godzilla's weakened after his fight which I want to ask you about this fight dude Again, you've never seen shit like this, really, right? Like these kaiju monster fights with the guys in suits. But how awesome is the camera work and the angles and like the music? It's it plays out like a like a it. I don't know. To me, it plays out triumphantly. Like I'm like, this is imagine doing this. Imagine making this and making it look. That, this that's good. what I was thinking of. Is how difficult it would have been to do this, dude. Come on, Thinkingly monotony, difficult with. But then making it look this good, like if yes. you saw this on the big screen, you'd be like, holy shit. I mean, in, in 1989, this had to have had, especially coming from Japan, too. I mean, I mean, let, let, let's face it. The U.S. has always been at the forefront for just filmmaking in general as far as, as, as effects go and mm. just, just, just scale of what they can accomplish with quality. Yeah. And and it's just impressive that this was what it was in 1989. Yeah, and, and knowing that this fight turns out the way it does and what happens next, where the government's like, okay, Godzilla's weak. We attacked him with our X2, which the X2, by the way, in this movie does show off some impressive shit. It opens up and has this, what they call the, uh, like the mirror. Reflective mirror, yeah. 
Yeah, the mirror fire or fire mirror. Well, whatever. it's funny because like that, what they were like, oh, this is our fucking you know ace in the hole kind of thing. But it does nothing to Godzilla. It, it's supposed to reflect his radiation. Well, it does. It it does reflect it, and for a while it works, and it's it's hitting Godzilla. And they said in the in the film that his atomic breath reflected at him through this fire mirror, this synthetic diamond that they've crafted for this ship will reflect his blast towards him tenfold. So ten times stronger than what he's shooting is hitting him back, and it doesn't do anything. In fact, Godzilla's breath after a while starts to destroy the top of humanity's technology because Godzilla is a motherfucking goddamn cosmic entity, bitches. Okay? You want to really get there? Because we're going there. Eventually, it's coming. This movie has Lovecraftian elements, I'm just saying. Violante's tentacle fucking vines. You know You know what I mean? Human beings messing with fucking shit they shouldn't. Like genetic manipulation you know who knows lovecraftian that's all i'm saying so jump back into the film godzilla's weak x2 did its shit but the x2 is weak now so they're trying to figure out alternatives all right we're gonna get godzilla's coming to this certain bay but it turns out no he's going to this other bay osaka bay this is when you have the scene where Godzilla well, meets he, the psychic girl. Well, he's going girl. to the in Osaka. They've got the nuclear power plant. He's going to like re. Well, they have power regenerate they, or whatever the fuck it's called. In the plot of the movie, and again, it gets that's why we're not getting too into it because we could really have a whole two and a half hour episode on this movie's plot. But there's a bunch of power plants in a bunch of different bays. And they think he's going to one, so they assemble the whole military there, and it turns out, oh no, Godzilla emerged over here by Osaka. This is when you get the psychic girl trying to stall for time um, based on the, the guy in the military who's flying the X-2. He knows her. The plot, again, convoluted for, for tonight's purposes, but she stalled this is where you see godzilla approach that oil rig and he's standing right there in front of mika and she and him have a psychic showdown and godzilla completely overpowers her so not only is godzilla a force of nature something to be reckoned with on an apocalyptic scale but when it comes to a mental duel godzilla's mind is so great he completely knocks this chick out Again, Lovecraftian. He he is an elder thing. He's something else, you know. I'm not saying he's an elder thing, but like literally. But he is. He's next level. Psychic people can't even fuck with him. He's like, nah, get out of here. He proceeds to go and get his nuclear fuel. But we get this awesome city destroying scene, which is this goes back to 1954, man. This goes back to the original where Godzilla's mayhem is brought to you on like the home front what it would be like to live in a city that's being completely ravaged and obliterated and that's what japan felt when they got hiroshima and nagasaki you know two bombs that's all i'm saying so mm -hmm. that 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 replays itself here in these scenes and godzilla faces down the x2 again the military runs in bazookas his ass in the face the scene where Gondo is in the fucking skyscraper turns around and shoots that fucking third injection of the 
the antibacteria, which the government, by the way, has now perf- to them perfected enough to to launch a Godzilla to hopefully take him down. He's gotten three doses of it. Gondo dies for that third dose. But I love his line going out and he's like, these these intravenous things are going to, you know, I heard they could be harmful for you or something like that. And he gets fucking taken out. That seems brutal, dude. And it gives me 9-11 vibes because the building collapsing in the way it does. It just, I don't know. And this is a movie way before 9-11. Just some darkness, some more darkness in this movie that I'm like, as a kid, it fucked me up. And as an adult, I could see it for what it is. And I'm like, God damn, man. Yeah, I mean, this, this <clears throat> the, the, the main thing that I have with this that stuck with me is they they could have easily progressed the story through this, but there's that little bit of a twist that I thought was done really well. And it was the, oh God, why is this not working? And it makes total sense. And I thought that was, that was like kind of, uh, you know, little cherry on top as far as with this part of the plot progression, if you will. Oh, where Godzilla's cold-blooded? Yes, yes. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Agree. And and here, we, we the human characters are still trying to be inventive and, and ingenuitive. And this, this, again, it's another trope of the Godzilla movies, but it happens again and again. This movie, it just happens a lot more intricately and, and well-explained. But they, they come up with the uh, thunder control system or it's 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 a it's a system that they're working through theoretically but they're like uh we're gonna have to try this on godzilla and they seed the clouds and create artificial weather to heat up godzilla's blood while this is happening though motherfucking biolante has returned from fucking space well hold on let's let's for a little context with that, what happens is they inject him with this bacteria, but it's not having an effect on him. And they're like, yeah. why is this not doing anything? And they're like, Oh God, it's too cold. We got to heat him up for it to take effect. And, and that was, I mean, I'm sure a lot of our listeners kind of caught on to that, but just to put it out there bluntly, that's kind of what's going on. I thought that was a really cool little, little, you know, point they made. Yeah. Yeah, it gives the story a reason to continue forward and for us to have fight number two, and we get another fucking kaiju showdown. Biolante comes back with space dust and emerges with a new form, a more terrifying form. Very, like, Venus flytrap. Biolante looks like a twisted plant version of Godzilla, and it makes sense because they're from the same cells. And the row of teeth through Biolante's snout the whole long snout, that shit as a kid fucked with me, all those teeth, rows and rows of teeth. I think that shit is creepy as fuck. And the vines are back again, the extending long vines. Yeah. And, and they're more they're there. You think they'd be more dangerous than ever, but Godzilla again, unstoppable man. He blows through all these vines. Like it's no fucking problem. No problem. You get some pretty cool effects with this, with this scene too. Mm-hmm. And some gore. You get some gore, which Godzilla films aren't notorious for gore. Not not by any stretch. Yeah, you, but get, you get monster gore for sure. 
some of them do have Godzilla versus Gigan actually has real red blood. Like, so in this film, Biolante strikes Godzilla through the hand and a few of the uh, vine creatures bite him and, and there's blood, but the blood is all green. In a few films prior to this, in the Showa era, Godzilla versus Gigan had red blood, dude. They were getting stabbed, blown up. Red blood was f- fucking spurting everywhere. I I love that movie for that aspect. That movie's got the gore. That's got the Godzilla gore. But um, this movie's got the vegetation gore. All the blood's green, but it still looks gnarly. You know, Godzilla pulling the vine through his hand and the fucking shit flying everywhere. I just I just thought that was shit was fucking dope. And um, honestly, to wrap the film up, this final kaiju fight takes place, and Godzilla pretty much doesn't have that that big of a struggle. He he he's he he gets towards Biolante, gets his head bitten, manages to blast off another atomic breath into Biolante, which seems like the death stroke. But then my boy goes and pulls on Mr. Leahy and falls face first into the ocean because the bacteria has finally taken effect and it's weakened Godzilla to the point of he he's he's done. He's done for. One of my favorite parts I wrote down, it was the Biolante Pollen Bukaki and Cosmic Goo Facial. <laughs> that, was, that was the highlight of this fight. Yes. Let me get back to you guys. Biolante yeah. Pollen Bukaki and Cosmic <laughs> Goo Facial. You get this electrically charged fucking crazy amount of mucus goo spewing. So Biolante does have a breath weapon, but it's not atomic. It's it's goo. And Shuttle the Pod would appreciate this. They get you get the goo action in this fucking movie, dude. And it's like electric cosmic goo. Yeah, you nailed that shit. I love that. <laughs> this movie does end on a touching note, though. As Godzilla falls into the ocean, Biolante once again returns into her cosmic space form, and we see the soul of the scientist daughter Erica floating up through space. Right before that goddamn Sardinian assassin shoots the doctor through the heart, killing him. What a dick. What a dick. And then the movie ends with uh, that other scientist and the daughter or the, the OG girl, whatever, being all happy about whatever. And Godzilla's walking off into the ocean. So Godzilla lives. Godzilla lives. There you go. And that's Godzilla versus Biolante, motherfuckers. So, I if 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 I do have a little bit of an issue with the way this ended, because I feel like there the, the script on this, there were parts of this script where after I read the the little information or or trivia deal where it was written by a fucking dentist, it made sense. I feel like that line at the end was not needed. Because, you know, they, it was like a heartfelt ending, and I feel like it didn't really fit the tone of the film up it to didn't. that point. But it didn't. It it was, they said, Godzilla and Biollante aren't monsters. It's the unscrupulous scientists who create them who are the real monsters. Like, I feel like you could have left that out, and it would have been oh, those things that... I thought you meant the, the couple lines at the end where the, the guy and the that, girl are talking. Yes, that too. But this is like one of those that should be implied, where... Maybe the average viewer wouldn't have seen it, but your cinephiles and fans would have like thematically put it together 
where it was like two on the nose and it was just kind of cheesy. And you do get that heartfelt deal because, you know, the, the, the scientist does die, which kind of sucks, but it, you know, it, it was a good part of the ending, but I just thought it was a little bit silly, you know, with, you know, the, the doctor and the daughter and the pollen and that shitty fucking CGI part at the end. I would have, I would have mm. had that not come out, but I can see Ooh. where they wanted to, you know, kind of tie together with that happy type of ending. If, 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 yeah. Well, I like, I like, I like the seat. I didn't know that was CGI, uh, honestly. Um, but cool. It looked good to me, but I, I, I don't mind that part. I, I thought you were talking about the, uh, the, the romantic couple ending. I don't mind the line. I, but that, I that's included in there. I, I do that get, was what I saw first. But I do get your point about that line. You don't need to have it. It no. is the, it is implied throughout the entire movie. So to, to spell it out on the nose the way they did at the end, I could see having an issue with it. I don't. But but I but I get it I get it right it, it's not it's not it does it's not it doesn't need to be there it don't need to it's already the movie already says it for 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 them like we we get it it's a Frankenstein story to a degree so we 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 get it I mean yeah telegraphed um final thoughts and ratings on Godzilla versus Biollante. Yeah, so I'll go first here and um, give you the floor at the end since this is your movie and you'll you'll carry us home. So this is Bastuna's very first entry into the real Godzilla movie dumb. Again, the only ones I've seen are the big blockbuster ones, which which I do like. I mean, I we, we tease and give some shit to the Matthew Broderick one, but I like that one. It was you know I saw that when I was a kid, not really a kid. I was I was a teenager by then, but. I saw it. I liked it. It was cool. The other ones, for what they are, big budget, blockbuster type movies, they're fun. It's fun to go back to the roots to kind of see what they they were and what they are meant to be. And I did enjoy this one for what it was. I will say that I, I need to see this. I will watch this again for sure. But there was a lot going on. I, I had no idea what I was getting into and how deep this movie got with characters and plot development and there there was a lot a lot a lot going on this was only a 104 minute movie and they packed a lot of information in it but i did like it the use of the miniatures the models it was awesome the practical effects it was again i i I use the example of a movie that i'm fairly familiar with even though it's been a minute since i've seen it is is the the old star wars movies and and how grandiose they can make a movie like this seem by using miniatures and and whatnot and it was cool because it does put you in that that mindset of otherworldly i did like it i'm I'm gonna stop rambling i I gave this a seven out of ten this was oh this was a a a fun flick i'm glad i watched it it had it had a lot going on with the plots but but uh but yeah, Bastuna liked it. I love hearing that, man. I'm glad you gave it a seven out of ten. That's to me, that's that's love. That's love right there. So I'm I'm glad for that. I'm glad you saw enough in it that you appreciated and enjoyed that that you came in. I was hoping for that. Like honestly, bringing this to the listeners to the show, I didn't want this to fall flat. So I'm glad I didn't. 
Um, for me, this movie has problems. Um, it's got pacing issues. It's got a convoluted plot issue. It's got an ending that doesn't really match the tone of the film. I agree. Both endings, whether it's the doctor whose line I could take or leave, or whether it's the happy couple at the end that made no sense to me why they're so happy after all this shit. Um, what this movie does have is a tie-in back to the original and the, the reboot, which Boss Tuna mentioned earlier, and I will defer to it. You should see them, the the 54 version and the 85 reboot before this movie, but you don't have to. You can watch this movie by itself and, and get something out of it. There, there, There's so much here. You said it all, dude, like with the miniatures and everything else, but for me... This goes back to what scared me as a kid. This goes back to what got me into horror movies. I was into Godzilla before horror. So that's how far back this kind of shit goes. This movie did come out the year I was born. I didn't see it that year, but just saying, like, it was right there when I was getting into all of it. I'm going to have a different scale for this movie. If we're going to talk a movie that has the problems this movie has... I would give this like an eight and a half to a nine on a Godzilla scale. This is a 10 out of 10. This movie's a 10 for a Godzilla movie. All right. There's, there, there's a few tens in the Godzilla franchise and this is one of them. I've, I've rewatched these movies for my whole life. And this is one of the ones that I keep going back to time. And again, from the imagery that it displays, the feelings that I get seeing it, and yes, it goes back to being a kid. I love it. I love this, man. And I, I'm happy that you enjoyed it, too. I'm glad we got to talk about it as as briefly as we did. Because if I ever go full Godzilla... <laughs> Dude, one of the f- things that I kept thinking about when I was watching this was how much I wish I could have seen this as a kid. Because mm-hmm. this would this would be one that would have a big impact on me. Because I would just be blown away watching this as a kid just with how grandiose it was in scale as far and what's what's awesome is seeing it as an adult and knowing that like some some somewhat of how the sausage is made it's cool seeing this and knowing what went into it now and looking at it from that perspective but still being magically transported to the the realm of i i can see it like how they're trying to present it. I can be in that, this world, like it's uh, like you said, otherworldly, this is an otherworldly type of event. And when they can master puppetry and miniatures and the camera work that goes into all that as well, like there's an art to all the camera work as well. It, it It's a hodgepodge of perfection, man. Oh, oh. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Is, so is much. your official rating uh, an eight and a half then? For a regular movie, yes. Yeah. For a Godzilla okay. movie, it's a ten. So I'm gonna. I'll, I'll, all right. Well, I'll put down eight and a half. But yeah, as far as Godzilla goes, you think this is cream of the crop, huh? It's up there. It's it's right up there with a few others. Yeah. It's 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 one of my favorite Godzilla films. Um, as an official movie, yeah, like I'd be like eight and a half. But because I know the problems that that are in there, and I see them now, and you know. It doesn't need to be an hour, 40, whatever minutes. It could be tighter, but it's, it's still for the, and, and for a fan of kaiju movies, I mean, yeah, people, people who already know what I'm saying know what this movie is. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I mean, I'm, I, I, I was a little bit taking that into credit when I rated it too, because I was, I hate doing it with having different scales, but that, that seven is along the lines of what a movie like this should be rated on. So I would probably be a little bit lower in the grand scheme of things, but I mean, I did like this. I, I, well, that makes me was... sad. You made me sad. You made me so happy, no, but, but then listen, you made me so but sad. Listen, no, because for for what it was, I, I I didn't know what my expectations were. Honestly, coming in, I was like, yeah, I was not excited. Let's just say that when you first told me that we are going to be reviewing this movie, I was like, fuck, because this is not. These are not the movies I seek out. I mean, this is not in my wheelhouse. So I was pleasantly surprised with how much I liked it. So, I mean, I'm glad that I was able to see it. And I'm glad you picked this one because I, I did like it quite a bit. It surprised me how how much I did like it. So uh, I'm going to cut you. <laughs> yeah, you are. But <laughs> yeah, that's that's Godzilla versus Bayonte. And yeah, I mean, eight and a half from T-Boo seven from boss tuna check it out but 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 it's a 10 it's a 10 though it's a 10 but it's a 10 yep but it's a 10 we get you so well in a minute here we're going to be switching gears yes switching gears big time big time yeah we have another movie coming up that we're going to talk about that's very different from this one in a lot of ways well not not really there's like a bunch of kaiju giallos that are fighting inside of a fucking catholic school and there's a Catholic oh. fucking kaiju giallo demon and Catholic giallo, kaiju giallo's mysteries. Hey, Manla. Manla. We're getting real dark, though. We're going to get real dark, though, with this oh. movie. So <laughs> stay tuned. We'll be right back after you guys hear the trailer for Black Coat's Daughter. test to see if her head matched the body. Hey, Dad, just calling to see where you and Mom are, if you're coming. Worst case, they come on Friday and everyone goes home and has a really nice break. After all, we can't let you live here. You know about the sisters, don't you? They worship the devil. Is there something wrong? Why are you doing this? Do you believe in God, John? Ever tried to look for him? I look for him in the unlikely things that happen. Little coincidences. Funny. No. 
Why? I mean, I just wish you could stay and see my performance. That's all. Black Coat's daughter, chosen by Boss Tuna. This had been on my list for a long time. I had never seen it. I am aware of it. I actually owned it on Blu-ray, and I ripped the cellophane off to watch it this morning for the first time ever. So The Black Coat's daughter is a 2015. It's rated R, clocking in at a smooth 93 minutes. What do we think this got on the B? On the IMDb user rating, I'm going to say a 7.2. 5.9. Ooh. So okay. A little bit off on that. What about the Rotten Tomatoes? I'm going to say 82%. 74%, which you said 74 for Godzilla. So I was like, oh, you got it right. Just wrong movie. Oh, oh, wow. Yep. But budget speaking, I have no idea. I could not find it in my research or even guesses. I am gonna guess that it was not super high budget. I would say probably in the five million range, huh? Maybe even less. Isn't it funny that you said five to ten million for Godzilla versus Biolante nineteen eighty nine, which by the way, the special effects in that movie are way fucking yep. more intense than this movie, but a movie made in 2015 for 5 million would be this movie. Yep. Kind of crazy, but also I understand it and I agree. 5 million, I would say 3. I'd say 3 million. Yeah, I was going to say 3 to 5, yeah. Yeah. So this is directed by Oz Perkins, who our savvy savvy listeners would be like, "Hmm, Oz Perkins. I know a Perkins, Anthony Perkins." Yes. This is the Oz Perkins whose father is Anthony Perkins who is obviously most notable as um, uh, uh, Psycho. Oh, God. Uh, Norman Bates. Norman Bates. Bates. <laughs> Norman Bates Psycho, yes. So he's actually, this is his first directorial debut, but he's also written and directed I Am the Pre Thing That Lives in the House, Gretel and, and Hansel. Gretel versus Hansel. Gretel, Gretel Hansel. and Hansel. A yeah. Years ago. Yep. That uh, movie also, was dope. Yeah, it was. It was good. He also starred in Dead Breakfast and Wolf as well this stars emma roberts as joan she was most recently in the hunt she's been an american horror story she was in scream 4 oh and she was dr shimagara in godzilla versus violante uh sure yeah <laughs> and uh kiernan shipka as cat she was in carriers lucy boynton as rose she was in again i am the pre thing that lives in the house but also Apostle, which we just talked about that one. (laughs) James Reamer played Bill, and he will forever be known as Dexter's dad. James Remar. Yep. Yeah, he'll be forever known as Dexter's dad, to me at least. And then I just had to give a quick little shout out to Lauren Hawley. She played Linda, who was uh, Bill's wife, I guess. And I will always know her as Mary in Dumb and Dumber. So this movie here... This, this, oh man. So this was made in 2015. This wasn't even available really until 2017. It took 17 months for this to get an official release after its festival run. It was picked up by A24. This also is probably known just as much as its alternate title, February. Uh, 
And Mike Flanagan, who's who's one of my favorites, this is his supposedly his favorite uh horror film. So or favorite movie, I should say. Whoa, really? Yeah, yeah, dude. So Tibu, let me ask you, I yeah, Black Coat's Daughter, have you seen this before? No, first time watch. Okay. Were you familiar with it? Have you heard about it? No. All I knew was that it was Oz Perkins' first film. That's okay. it. Okay. So you didn't know anything what it was about or, or anything? Nothing. Zero. Okay. Anything went into this plot? 100% blind, went into this movie. Nice. I love it. I love it. I will say that I, I, I had heard about it. I didn't know much about what, well, Let's let's just get into it, and and I, I've got I've got a little piece of information I'll share when we get to that point. But Black Coat's daughter, dude, let's let's fucking get into this. This let's unpack this. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah, this movie has basically three different plot lines going on, and you don't know this at first. This movie opens with, I guess, sort of a dream sequence, but. It's hard to tell. It's hard to really tell at first what you're seeing. Um, but ba- basically the movie takes place in the, the middle of winter and all of these kids at the Brantford Academy, which is a, uh, a Catholic school for girls, they're going on break and all their parents are supposed to come and get them. Well, during all of this, there's a cat who is a younger student and Rose who is a a senior they're left there alone by their parents and they're not left there alone so they must be going on some kind of winter break because the movie alternate title is called February and there must be some kind of break in February and the, the parents are supposed to come pick them up you see, I didn't know that part, so I didn't know it was February, to be honest. Yeah. Yep. So the parents are supposed to come pick them up. So you find out that Rose, the older one, purposely told her parents they had to come pick her up on Friday. Mm-hmm. And um, the uh, cat, the younger one, her parents were supposed to pick her up, but they never came. Right. And, and so the headmaster, Mr. Gordon is trying to comfort both of them. And he basically, he's like, you know, y'all can stay here until Friday when when Rose's parents are supposed to get here. I'm sure, Kat, your parents will get here. And there's this weird undercurrent of, honestly, like, I guess what feels like a male dominance from his character point of view because he has all the girls repeat to him when he says, in a questioning manner, sounds good? All the all the girls in the school are supposed to say sounds good, and it sounds condescending to me. Like it's like an afterthought question I never, of I never like really picked up on that part. It's it's the vibe it gave me is like this is this is how it's gonna go. I'm the man. I'm sell, I'm telling you how it's gonna go. Sounds good. It's like it's 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 sarcastic almost like or or like you know. I'm saying it sounds good. So you agree, you better. And they yeah. do, they do. So that's kind of the vibe I got from the, 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 the headmaster guy there. And let me paint the picture too. This, this movie within the first two minutes, you know, what type of movie it is. It's, it's dark. 
It's brooding. It's melancholy. It's it, there's there's nothing about this movie that is bright or sunshine or happy. There's no levity, and and I kind of mm-hmm. got that as well too. In the first couple of minutes, I knew that there was going to be zero comedy, zero comedic relief. It was just going to be heavy, heavy, melodramatic, and and that's what you got throughout. The use of atmosphere and score are it's it's um i would say are its strength this movie's foundation is built upon that impending slow burn type doom and impending atmosphere it's set in winter which just compounds that and it just makes you feel kind of yucky i guess throughout this whole movie like you you even though I went in blind and, and I want you to chime in here in a second as well, too. I just felt that this was just going to be a very, very heavy, heavy movie. What 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 vibes were you getting right away? Right away. I, I, I agree. I felt the ominous, the, the foreboding, the dark, uh, the soundtrack again. And it throughout the film, I, I agree. It adds to that, that layer of what this film is trying to present. And at the very beginning, though, I, yeah, I didn't have any glance of comedic anything. I, I, I had honestly, like, for for the first for the first fifteen to twenty minutes, I was confused by the plot of this movie. I didn't know what what was happening yet. Um, but I think that's intentional as the as the story yeah. goes. So I had confusion. Uh, the atmosphere being dark the foreboding nature of the movie and it plays out throughout. It keeps going that, that, that part of it keeps building where you don't know what's coming around the next corner and the atmosphere keeps building and the foreboding keeps building. Like it it keeps happening. It keeps happening. That's, that's kind of where I was at the the beginning though, was like, Ooh, I don't know what's going on, but it's creepy. This movie's creepy. After the headmaster leaves, um, he, he leaves he leaves Cat and and Rose in the care of a couple of the. They're not nuns. I don't know what they are. They're like they're, uh, they're, they're like nuns or caretakers or something like that. Yeah, uh, there's a couple of women there that are staying there with them, w- waiting for the parents to come back. And like you said, I mean, you've already spilled those beans. Like Rose lied about her parents, so she meets up with this guy late at night. Um, while well, they're staying, you find out that she thinks she's pregnant. Yes, yes, that's very important. Yeah, Rose thinks she's in, uh, been impregnated by this guy, who's all too happy to see her. By the way, um, so I have I have a theory about that part of the plot. Might not be important, but it might be just my own head cannon. Um, and she goes off with him, comes back later, being pretty upset and so is he so but at this point in the movie you don't know what that's about okay you don't know um the conversation i didn't pick up on it dude like i honestly did not like if you're supposed to be clued in at this point i was not clued in i i was not either i was not yeah i was totally like what just happened between them what 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 is what is with this school because at the same time Cat is acting strange to even Mr. Gordon. She's acting strange to everybody. 
She's looking in corners and giggling. Well, this we're, is we're, why, getting, this is, we're getting this, like weird. But, but I, I just want to say this is why the first 15 minutes of the movie was so confusing to me because the story has not started to explain itself yet. You're just getting snippets and bits of different characters going through their own things. So one of the first scenes you see, though, from Cat is a wrecked vehicle. So it's implied because she says my parents aren't coming. Right yes. away, you see this this wrecked vehicle in a flashback, and she says, my parents aren't coming. So then you're like, what the fuck is going on? So you're like, okay, well, her parents aren't coming. It's implied that they're dead in a car crash, and you're waiting to figure out what the fuck is going on. And then you find out that Rose purposely told her parents not to come till Friday so she could go on this date, basically because she wants to tell her boyfriend that she's pregnant. Yes. She's buying time to to get through this, you know, potentially life-changing event and, and see how that goes. Meanwhile, Kat is down in the boiler room worshiping the furnace and <laughs> when 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 Rose comes back from her quote-unquote date, she sees this. This is where the movie takes a swerve because we meet another character now. Joan. Joan, yep. Okay, so when the movie did this, I was like, again, I'm still in lost territory. I'm like, I don't know what's happening right now. I'm following the threads, but I'm not sure what how they fit together. And then Joan gets thrown in, and Joan is this, this she, she escaped from a mental institution, and because she's you, you see her in a bathroom ripping um a uh hospital bracelet off yes so she breaks out of her her confinement and she's found at a bus station by a man named bill uh played by um remar what's his name jim remar jeremy yep yep dexter james remar yep he's awesome um and he he basically picks up Joan and and the movie this is where the soundtrack works so well with the scenes where they really build Bill up to be a dark character a dark dark character but it never he's not he's not I'm just yeah, gonna say spoiler it now. alert he's not. yeah yeah that's that's one thing I thought was really cool because in any other movie you'd be like okay there's this tiny little blonde girl all by herself getting picked up by this supposed creeper guy at a bus station. You're like, what the fuck is he going to do to her? And then you find out later at the end of the film. Well, he's got this whole thing where he's like, my wife is in the car right there and I'm watching the movie for the first time being like, yep. Yeah. There ain't no wife in that car, but then you see the wife and then he brings her to the car and the wife's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just trying to help. And Bill's just trying to help. And we get these moments of Jones story interspliced with rose's story and cat's story um the movie keeps going you know shit's fucking going down the movie keeps going back and forth though it does it a lot and it's 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 not hard to follow when you when you're following the plot threads but for the sake of discussion it could be a little tricky um so i wanted to jump a little bit forward and say 
the morning after when 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 um Rose comes back from her date where she reveals to her boyfriend that she could potentially be pregnant. And again, when they come back and how their characters interact, you only see the boyfriend for two scenes, but he was good. He was, he was pretty good. That, that actor, I would say. Yep. Um, you're not sure where that plot's going to go. And so when Rose wakes up and cats looking ill, like she's not looking like herself. This is the morning after the furnace worship. Okay. They sit down to breakfast with these nuns. They're not dressed like nuns, well, but they're well, nuns. That night too, you, you get the the big thing where she says, "My parents are dead. They're not." Oh back. yes, yes, yes. That that scene that scene is haunting. Rose is standing in the doorway after coming back from her date, and she's talking to um cat that she found in the basement, but brought her back upstairs, had her shower, had her go to bed. And she's like, you should have been taking care of me. Uh, that's what Mr. Gordon said. And and, and yep. that, that's the first time she says, you smell pretty. Yes. And that becomes fucked up later. Okay. So, yeah. The, when Rose wakes up, her and, her and a sickly looking cat go in and they, they sit down with the nuns for breakfast. And this is when shit goes south because... You try one, to say grace. Yeah. And 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 one of the nuns is like, no, no, no. You, cat, you say grace, and cat can't do it because she's fucking demonically possessed. Or she's crazy. We don't know. We don't know yet. We don't know. Who knows? I I I was at this point, I was like, Yeah, she's fucking as soon as she couldn't because she was sitting there and she had there was a couple scenes like even when she was talking to the headmaster and she had that little smile and he's like well she would look into the corner and smile yes yes and then you realize you're like okay this this movie really demands a second watch because (laughs) at this point that there's this fucking shadowed horned looking fucking something in the corner and mm. I guarantee upon a rewatch, you're going to find him in other scenes throughout this beginning. Mm. But yeah, he asked, she, she, the, the nuns are like, well, why aren't you saying, you know, Grace? And they ask her to do it. And she stands up and just fucking, again, we have a theme with every movie we pick, Tibu. <laughs> we, had, we had the throw up vomit bukkake from Biolante, and we have the same thing going on. With uh, the Black Coast you get, daughter. You, you get the goddamn breakfast bukkake right here. Because she throws up everywhere. The two nuns are upset. They're like, oh my god. And then and then this is where Kat goes demonic. In her in her tone of, of voice. And she's like, get your hand off me, cunt. Oh, yeah. Then you get a phone call from the next room. And the two nuns rush in there. Take the phone call. And they call Rose in and tell her, you need to shovel the driveway. And the steps down to the earth because headmaster's coming, just like Cat had said he was going to come. Yes, and it's implied that, yeah this this is where I was like, holy fuck! He called and said, yeah, her parents are dead. I'll be there in a little bit. Yes, <coughs> but <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> herbal enchantments. Oh my god, um. But this is where the movie 
again spins because Joan like we're learning about Joan throughout all this. Um she's at the hotel where they stopped. Bill comes in and he's like into her room. She has her own room at this hotel. And and Bill comes in, he's like, You slept in the back seat for four hours. So they stopped and got a hotel room. They basically taken this girl up, and this is where you get the creepy Bill scene where the music's really fucked up. And 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 Kat, uh uh Joan is asking him, Where's your wife? She's sleeping. Why? Like the why is the creepy part. That's the creepy part. And and he's checking her up and down with his eyes. He's looking at her. He's looking. So this movie's building this up, but it it leads to nothing. Again, spoilers, it leads to nothing. So uh they go have dinner at a restaurant, the three of them, and through flashbacks we see what what is it? Uh a police policeman. She was, yeah, she was shot in the arm or shoulder. Yes. And it's just adding to this mystery of what's going on here. And she comes out of the restroom after having a flashback inside of strangling someone and being uh, basically an imposter. She she took someone's identity because in the same scene, the, the Bill reveals to Joan that his daughter is... Rose you see it with the photo from the beginning of the film and the photo he shows her from his wallet that it's the photo Joan the took the year that she was, was going to college I know I know it's it's all yeah. yeah yeah so at this point you're like what is happening because the the way that the scene is is written and portrayed on film are different from what's going on in your brain because it makes you think that the daughter was like a nine-year-old or something because he said it happened nine years ago yeah and it's like his daughter will be young but it's rose and and you're like what the fuck is going on because he says she's gone but then that same scene she's out in the car and the fucking wife linda is saying stuff like bill's crazy he says this to all the girls but he thinks she's still alive and you're like what the fuck is going on right now it this yeah th- th- it was it's it was oh man i this i got to like say snakes within snakes this is twisting within twisting yeah. this movie is yeah. twisting its plot all up in a great and, and, way and looking back now after seeing this movie and finding out that oz perkins it's his first directorial debut one of the first ones he's written i was like god damn like and then he goes and does Hansel and Gretel, which is still a good film. But I'm like, man, this is like straight up fucking Ari Aster type writing shit. Like, I, man, I, yeah, I was, I was, anyways, keep going. Well, no, he, he did a good job with this movie for sure. And, and, and we're Rose, uh, no, uh, Joan is in the bathroom of this restaurant after finding out that Rose is the, the daughter of, you know, the people that, that she's with. Bill and his wife and um when she comes out the cops are talking to Bill and she gets hesitant she looks at a knife the scene the tension is building it's like holy shit and when she goes back to Bill and Bill says he's like laying down money on the table and he's like hey we're gonna wrap our food up there's a storm coming in 
if we don't get going now, we're not going to make it to Brantford. Because he said we're going over there to see, to lay down flowers for our daughter. And, 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 you know, that, that, that's said at this point, And it's like, it, it, it clued me into something in the movie where I'm like, well, Rose is going to die at some point. It has to happen because there's no way this doesn't link together somehow. But at this point in the movie, I was, part of me was like, at first I was like, is that picture he pulled out? Cause, cause the way that they shot that you're like, Oh my God, he looked at an extra, like, is this her like reincarnated? Like you're, but, but, but they look nothing alike. Right. Like the mom says. Yep. Yeah. 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 So you're like, it's, there's some kind of connection and tie here, but your brain's trying to put shit together. Hmm. I was still lost on the whole plot overall, but at this point, I did know that Rose was going to die. I'm like, she's going to die. That character is dead. So this is some kind of time lapse shit. Like something's happening here, but I don't still know what's happening. I really didn't. Um, she 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 gets back in the car. We have the mom scene. Uh, Bill gets in, and we go back to back in the gap, I guess. We get introduced to Kat's character finally in a more formal way by the film because it's given Rose her segment, Joan her segment. Now we get Kat's segment. And this is like a playback of throughout the film where you see scenes from different angles. I love what Oz Perkins did here, man. Like he really tied the whole – Yeah. He tied it all back up in a fun – this got me back into the movie. Like I wasn't lost or or out of the movie at this point. I was in the movie, but this got me more into the movie when he starts going through the winter break again and Kat is trying to contact her her parents, but this is where you find out she contacts an entity. That's that furnace creature, all right? And it's 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 that horned shadow you talked about earlier. Like this is the this is the doom of the film. This is the the main fucking baddie that's behind everything that's going on. And after this is when you find out that after the breakfast with the nuns, that's when when Kat went the fuck off. She murdered the nuns, okay, brutally. Well, so we we've got the I mean when oh man, well I, I was gonna come the into the scene where the, the payphone. Yeah, well the payphone. What? Yeah, so the 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 payphone. You find out mm-hmm. that she answers a payphone and thinks it's her dad. It's not her dad, and you hear. I had to turn. I had to rewatch it and turn the subtitles on, but the payphone part that you see during this time period says, "Kill them, kill them all." Yes, 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 hundred percent. And that's during that's during the whole um, cat flashback stuff. And and yeah, my bad for skipping over that part. Um, what 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 you do get to though is like where the movie starts tying in all the different scenes you've been seeing, where the headmaster does come back. Um, and it's where um, Rose goes to the bathroom and finds out that she's on her period. So she's not pregnant. 
like the movie starts tying these scenes all together. And what you find out is, is that Kat was worshiping something in the furnace in the basement. She stabs Rose to death right after Rose finds out she's not pregnant. I mean, brutally stabs her. And there's a really great scene right before this too, because what happens is, is you find out that the two caretakers will call them. You've always been the caretaker, Mr. Torrance. <laughs> the two caretakers have Rose go and shovel because the headmaster is coming back and she finishes shoveling, but the door's locked. So she goes and falls yes. asleep. Yes. She wakes she wakes up the next morning and you get all these different storylines and these these scenes tying everything together and you know some shit goes down because the headmaster shows up with the cop, the door's locked, and then like you're saying is is told through different lenses because you get one scene of the cops showing up and then you get the camera panning across the room and you get that bloody handprint and then it you know flashes to a different scene and then you find a different camera angle of that exact same scene with them going in the back door and him unlocking the door. And you find out that yes, they're both dead, which you expected. And yeah, you get that fucking scene where, where she finds out the great relief. She's not pregnant and she's at the top of the steps and there's some bloody bags and you know exactly what the fuck is going on. Yeah, dude. She comes back in, gets destroyed, all right, by by cat, stabbed brutally. Again, this scene is so in the stomach too. Brutal. That's what that I, that's in her stomach, which cat doesn't know that she's not pregnant, but she just fucking goes and just rips her gut apart. I want to say too the scene where where cat stabs the other nun like to death in the back over and over like a robot, like Michael Myers in Halloween kills evil dies yep. tonight. Yep. That's, that's an amazing and brutal scene. Like I I was uncomfortable watching that scene. And when she does stab Rose uncomfortable and dude, hell Satan, because the cops show up, we're, we're finally all brought, brought up to speed here. And they go downstairs, and she's got all the decapitated heads. <laughs> she's got, <laughs> she's got all three heads lined up in front of the furnace that's lit as fuck. Raises her hand, knife in hand, says "Hell, Satan!" and the cop shoots her. So now we jump back to the present, I guess. Nine years later. Joan claims that she's sick in the back of Bill and his wife's car. They pull off the side of the road right after entering Branford. So the wife, there is so much going on with this, with the writing. That's why I was like, God damn, I wish I could have seen this like four fucking times before we went into the review. The wife says something that I feel I'm overlooking and I'm not sure if you picked anything up, but she's like, no, not here, not right now, not here. Like, I, is there a significance to that? Because it seemed like wherever they pulled off to had a significant part or a place. in the back in the back of my mind throughout this movie, I thought the wife and the husband Bill would be tied into some satanic shit that they yeah. were going to sack. Yep. Yeah, yep. like she th- like you think she's the killer 
going there with them, but they're going to bring her there and sacrifice her. So this movie flipped the script on me totally because going into that scene, that's what the wife's comments meant to me. I thought she meant not here, not right now. Like this is not the right place. Yeah. That's where my brain was going. Something along those lines too. I was like, there's something fucking, there's something up with these two with Bill and Linda. And this is where the movie completely fucked me because uh, spoilers again, there's nothing wrong with Bill and Linda. Uh, Joan slits Bill's fucking neck and stabs Linda brutally to death and takes their heads and suitcases them and goes to the abandoned, at this point, abandoned Bramford school and brings their head down they're both their heads down to the basement and what she's hoping to find there is something warm something welcoming she brings her sacrifices but nothing happens this movie has no ending that is conclusive whatsoever because after this Joan who by the fucking way is goddamn cat the same person. She goes out to the road and cries her fucking nope. eyes out. Stop, stop. You you missed you missed the whole part that for the most part ties it together. So right before this, you get a flashback of the headmaster going to visit. Oh, oh, you're right. You're right. You're yes. so right. You're so right. Go ahead. Yes. You get a flashback of the headmaster going to visit cat in the hospital and he goes, she's in a bed. She's, she's tied down. He closes the curtain and you're like, Oh, I knew right away. Yep. He's going to do an exorcism. He does this unofficially. You can tell secretively. And he he does an exorcism, literally does an exorcism on her. And the, the, the shadowy horned creature you see, the exorcism successful. Like he expels <laughs> Satan or the demon or whatever it is out of her. And she looks over to him after she has been cleansed. And she says, don't go. Mm-hmm. And it's gone. Mm-hmm. So you find out that for nine years, she has been in a mental institution. And I don't know if it's like thematically speaking, if it's like a, a like a tale or a story of just just a lonely individual, but you find out that this whole entire thing is fueled by her wanting to get back to the um the the school into the basement where she apparently originally saw or something happened. Something is up with that furnace or that boiler down there so that's she a satan the, furnace goes yeah so she brought the heads back down and the reason that the movie ends with her on the street crying is is like yeah she's a normal person now that just committed these murders and she's got nobody she's got nothing yeah she, she's not possessed anymore she's just a normal regular teenaged or 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 fucking late 20s uh uh chick that just killed these two people and and that's it and that and it's, it's like fucking fade to black cut scene close that's that's it bum done movie over yep 
hundred percent. That's the exact same way that I felt about this ending. Um, I wanted to believe that, you know, when the whole plot tied up together at the end and I'm like, okay, Joan is cat like that. We're seeing this years later. Now she's older. She escaped from the institution. She's trying to rebuild her connection to this demon. The furnace is cold. There's nothing left. It's like, okay, you were just a crazy bitch the whole time. Are you finally seeing it now? Like, maybe that's the, maybe that's the case. Maybe there was a demon. I want to think there was because of the, what the movie showed us where the floating, you know, in the, I think there was. I really do think there was. But that's the thing is it leaves it so much to interpretation where maybe this was all in her head the entire time. And, I love both aspects. I yeah. love both. Yeah, it, it's tough because it never it doesn't give you that answer, and that's why I I feel like man, really to give this movie its due, we we should have just like fucking thrown an audible and said like, hey, we're gonna watch this again, and and come at you and, and talk about it because, I mean, maybe that's the way it's meant to be. Um, perceived is that it, it could go both ways but that was my main question to you is do you think that she was actually possessed the entire time or do you think that she was psychologically fucked up to begin with and that was something that she built in her head to kind of justify what she had done my inter- go ahead my interpret well because what well, because the movie does portray her being sick and you can visibly see something's wrong with her that would expect you to believe that she was being possessed when mm-hmm. she's all sweaty and pale and, and what was going on at the dinner or, I mean, because, oh man, like even with her parents, like you never get concrete answers as far as, yeah, you're you're led to believe her parents died, but what I mean, there, there's just so many layers to this. Yeah, I, I agree, and and I think, I think the same thing about the ending is like, you can have it go both ways. I, you get the, as the audience, you get the scene where, and I missed that, and I'm glad you brought it up, where the priest, Mister Gordon, goes back in and does a private exorcism and and banishes the demon, and she does say, "Don't go." That's why she comes back years later because she's still – she's like romantically tied to this demon in a way. Something. Something's going on with her and this demon. They be fucking cuh. Um, But there, he ain't there no more. He's gone. So she's just this – like the way I interpret this movie is that there was a demonic possession. There was something, a relationship, if you will. And then years later, she goes back. And it's gone. Nothing there. So now she's just this crazy chick that killed people. And now she's losing her mind. In that final scene where she's crying, I was waiting to see the horned shadow in the background of that fucking snowy road behind her. Like, I was waiting to see that. I was hoping to see that. Yeah. See, I'm I'm 50-50 on that because part of me agrees with what you just said but part of me also thinks that she was on the cusp of mental breakdown and her parents uh dying in that car crash 
kind of put her over and she fabricated all of this in her head. And then when the priest came and did that exorcism, she fabricated that, oh my God, this this demonic possession that I fabricated is is gone. And she sat there for nine years in, you know, whatever hospital she was wanting to get that back. And she finally, you know, had the courage or whatever to break out. And she thought that maybe, hey, I'm going to go and bring these heads. I'm going to go pray to this fucking, you know, fucking boiler <laughs> kind of deal. And it wasn't there in, in that it was all in her head. I mean, it's, it's, I really don't, know I think I, 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 I love that interpretation too. Like I'm, I'm fully there for that. That could be the whole thing. And that, that would make it darker is like, she's just right? fucked up. Oh yeah. Way darker. So uh, should, should we get into our final thoughts and ratings or did yeah. we finish it? I don't even think we finished it though. I mean, well, that's, that's kind of, that is the, the ending, the finish it's, however you want to interpret it i mean that's 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 how it ends and it's just kind of left up to interpretation if if i had been a a a legitimate horror movie podcast host i would have maybe done a little bit more research and read or looked up some some osgood perkins commentary or something but again i mean let's think about this that, that i don't think that's the way that this movie is meant to be reviewed you're Granted, no. you're supposed to review it on, you know, a first time viewing and a watch, and, and a lot of that stuff doesn't come out till later, anyways. So, I'm gonna pretend that I saw this movie in 2015 when it was first made, and this is this is my thoughts. These are my interpretations. Mm. Well, having seen this for the first time and not knowing anything about it, and getting completely sucked into the atmosphere, the story, the characters every single thing down to the ending and how ambiguous it is. First time watch this movie's a 10 dude. I have nothing. I have nothing wrong with this movie. I was not bored. It's an hour and a half. It's, it's really fast. Um, yeah. And it gets a lot in, in a mysterious way. That's not hard to follow. Once the story starts going, I was legit confused. For like the first 20 minutes, I was like, I have no idea what's going on right now. But once the story starts to interweave and and do its thing, it becomes fun to watch and a mystery to unfurl in front of you. I had no idea where it was going, and I loved it, man. Like first time watch, a 10. Second time watch, could go down, probably, if I, you know, because I know some things, but but maybe not. That's always the fun of a second time watch. Who knows? But right now I got no problems with this, dude. This movie's fucking dope. Everyone needs to watch this movie. Holy shit. So I'm going to give our listeners a little insight into the pre-show. So we popped on, we're getting ready to go. And the first thing I said to Tibu was, is you got to give me a minute here because I watched this movie this morning for the first time. And normally when I watch a movie, I've got a really good idea where I'm going to come in as far as a rating goes. And if I'm being honest, when I first watched this, I was probably at like a seven. And the more I thought about it, it it bothered me. And, And I'm a big hypocrite. I'll tell you that for free. I typically like to have a... Like I, I don't like to be left 
up to my own interpretations. Now, you know, the, the example I always use is like the void, for example, and that one, that, that movie is a fucking 10 and I love how ambiguous it is, but this one here, there, there's so much depth into this. There's so much to think about. And I was struggling. I was like, golly, where, where do I come in at? I will say, I do have a couple issues with this movie. The one thing I felt that could really have made this even more powerful was to make it even more darker and to show a little bit more of the, the, like the gore effects. And, and so to be specific, she had a thing where she was cutting the heads off of everybody, but they never showed that. Like they barely even showed a knife. Like, I think even if you showed like another one second of her doing a couple like saw strokes on the neck, I know that sounds really fucking morbid and dark, but no, I, felt I like, agree. I agree. I felt like that would really add to the shock value of this. Fuck but yeah. They left that out. There was really not a lot of gore in this. I mean, even when you you get the stab scenes, but you don't really see much. I mean, uh, well, I don't know, the, dude. I don't okay. know. I think the stab scenes are really effective. In this they movie. are. And you get the, the, the knife going across Bill's throat and you do get some well, pretty get... graphic stab scenes of the caretakers, yeah. but I'm just saying how much more effective it would be to fit her character. If he sh- like, I mean, you don't have to go fucking terrify her too. No, I you... agree. I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Like, yes. Let's saw the a hands little off bit these more. motherfuckers. Yes. Yeah, give me yes. like a split second of her doing like two strokes across the neck, something like that to just really yeah. amp it up. I think would have been really uh, quite a bit more effective, but agree. Agree. Yeah. I, I'm coming in at an eight and a half on this. I, 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 I need to see this again. And this is one of those movies where we're, you know, my buddies and I were getting ready for a winter camping trip. And I think I might throw this on the computer and watch it with some of my buddies and see kind of what, where they're at with this, because it, it's, it's, it, it's a thinker. This this movie is fucking. You just deep. took you just took me down to a nine and a half. Okay. Yeah, you did. Nine and a half. I agree. The gore could have been better. Like they really could have amped up the the shock value of what this movie. And, was and not to yeah, accomplish. and that's the thing is like it doesn't have to be gratuitous, but I mean if you're gonna have like the entire character based off of cutting off the heads and and kind of like a like a witchy pedestal type um what the hell do you call that it reminds me of almost like an altar (laughs) yeah it's like an altar kind of thing like give me just a tiny little bit more yeah because i think it would really amped it up i agree i agree yeah 100 percent. nine and a half out of ten fuck you ten out of ten god damn but this movie was awesome though dude i'm I'm so glad you picked this because i i hadn't seen this and this movie's dope. Oz Perkins did a great fucking job with his. The only other thing too I have movie. is, and and I don't know where to come in or or how to really state this, but I remember shout out to our friends over at Exploding Heads. Their end of the year for whatever I don't know if it was 2015, or, but but I think it was Brandon uh, Orlick was really on top of this movie. So I don't listen to horror movies or or uh, reviews of horror movies I haven't seen. I don't like any spoiler type stuff, but I caught on earlier than I should have that Kat and Joan were the same character. 
And part of me is thinking that maybe subconsciously I had known that, or I tried to block it out of my memory, but I, I wasn't as surprised because I kind of saw it coming, but I'm not really going to detract from that. I just think it's a product of me watching this in, you know, 2023 when I really should have seen this years ago. Still a great movie. I would highly, highly recommend it. And I really feel sorry for those that hadn't seen this and listened to this whole preview because I think it's going to detract from your overall enjoyment of the film. But Bostuna 8.5, Tibu 9.5, The Black Coat's Daughter. Mm-hmm. That's it, dude. That's it. Yeah. We finally did it. Godzilla versus Biollante. And then fucking Black Coat's Daughter. Yeah. Two way different films, and I'm glad we both enjoyed all of our watches tonight. Like, I hope everyone enjoys these watches, too, if they if they seek them out. Yep. That brings us into the next episode, which should be the movies we're going to talk about. But it just depends if Bostuna can get this edited in time. Because you <laughs> might be hearing our end-of-the-year episode, which I hope you don't. But... Bostuna has the old, Tibu has the new. One mm-hmm. thing we're doing is, hey, our old movies have been uh, 1995 and older since we started this podcast in, what, 2017? Mm-hmm. And we had talked that, hey, we're five years down the road. We need to change the dates a little bit here. So the old movies are now going to be 96 and older. And the new ones are going to be 97 and older. With that being said, Boss Tuna is choosing a 1980 flick for us to review. And that one is The Ninth Configuration. Ooh. Never seen it. Have you seen it? No. Ooh, okay. 1980, The Ninth Configuration. Tibu, what is the new movie that we're going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about a 2022 film called Soft and Quiet. Ooh, soft and quiet, eh? Yes. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. There you go. That means that's 2022? Yes. Shit. Mm -hmm. All right. Do we need to... Okay, so... No thought necessary. Just watch the film and let's talk about it. This is... This is... uh, have, Have you seen that? Yes. Okay. So this is going to be a Joe Blow first because we hopefully we'll have this out before the end of the year episode. And that's going to be interesting. It don't, it don't matter. It just don't matter. I'm it excited. It don't matter. I'm excited. Sopped and quiet. Yes. Thick and juicy. I mean. I want to I want to talk about soft and quiet with you, bro. I all think right. We'll have a good time with this movie. Maybe. Nice. We'll see. We'll see how we feel. By good time, I mean good conversation. The movie's not a good time. <laughs> I'm just letting you know right now. All right. It's not a good time. I'm not even going to look it up on IMDb. I'm just going to go straight and watch it because I've yep, never even you heard should. it. Yep. All right. Good. All right, folks. Well, that wraps up episode 81, Godzilla versus Boyulonte and the Black Coat's Daughter. And mm-hmm. Tibu, what, what what words of wisdom do you have to leave our listeners with until they hear the sweet, sweet voice that come out of our mouths next time. If you're going to shoot an anti-nuclear bacteria bazooka into Godzilla, don't be the last guy that shoots it right into his mouth because he's going to topple the skyscraper you're standing in 
and you're gonna fucking die. And with that, I hope it was as good for you as it was for us.